Hello, podcast listeners. This is Eric from the What He Said, She Said podcast with Eric and Michelle. Today we have episode 32. This is going to be the six things our therapist tells us about online dating. So this was an interesting conversation with Michelle and I, and hopefully you enjoy the show. And now, on to the show. Do-do-do-do-do. Hello, hello, Wisdom Community. This is Eric and soon-to-be Michelle. Michelle is off walking her dog, Daisy, and she will be on in just a few minutes. I decided to go live a little bit before that so we can get a few listeners in the queue before uh, Michelle jumps on the line. And so today, episode 32, we're going to talk about six things my therapist taught me about relationships. So this is going to be an interesting take on things. So in about five minutes or so, Michelle should be jumping on board. And if anyone wants to jump on the line real quick, uh, feel free to do so. Oh, wow. Two guests waiting. Well, one is Michelle. Michelle, if you're listening, we have a caller so should I take the caller or should I take you? I think, Georgia, I'm going to have to take Michelle, my co-host. Okay, so let's try this again. Let's try this one more time. Michelle is trying to either get some food or drink or feed Daisy or all of the above. Three, two, and one. Is she there? Ta-da, ta-da. Let's try one more time. Aha, maybe the third time is the charm. Three, two, one, again. Are you there, Michelle? Let's see you. Oh my gosh. Well, if you're listening, Michelle, turn your Wi-Fi off. Turn the Wi-Fi off, then reconnect. Or X out of the app, relaunch the app, and then reconnect. Three, two, one. Are we going to try? Oh, you have a time. Hello? Am I really here? That was really strange. It kept saying, thank you for joining our our guest. And then. Kicked you right out. No, it kicked me out. So. Of course. Anyway, I'm here. How are you? Wisdom has a weird quirk. What's that? Connecting to the Wi-Fi. Oh. Okay. For some reason as a host if i'm connected to the wi-fi i will get some funky connections where it seems if i use data when i'm doing these that it's a little more seamless and we have fewer issues i'm not sure if you know i don't know if that's specifically a wisdom issue or if that's uh something else so uh, once again, Georgia, Gary, I'm very sorry. I had to take my co-host first because you never know. It seems like whenever whenever I take a caller, there is no such a thing as a short call. <laughs> I think the last two, one was 45 minutes and one was an hour, you know, oh, and, and yeah, and I, don't, I, and I know you like have, I know you have some. I know you have somewhere to go at 7.30, so it's like, 
Yeah, I'm not going to keep you waiting for an hour. Yes, thank you. Appreciate it. All right, yeah, let's let's roll because um, it's hot as heck here in Southern California. It is. Well, I just I got a message from a friend of mine in Sacramento. Yeah. And he said, "Ha, huh, 102 child's play." It is 115 degrees in Sacramento today. Oh, cripes. Which is Lordy. kind of like Death Valley temperatures, you know, if if you think about it. And, yeah, right now it's still, it's, uh, tomorrow in Sacramento it's supposed to be 112. Oof. Oh, yeah. that's, that's vicious. I wonder if they're going to get the rain that we're supposed to get. No, no, because the rain's coming up from the hurricane that's in the Gulf of Mexico. It's not coming. It's not coming from the north. It's coming from the south. Uh, and, and the reality is, I mean, we have a ride on yeah, Saturday. Yeah. I, I, I seriously doubt that we're going to see any significant amount of rain. It, uh, for those of you who've never lived in Southern California, the one thing that weather men or weather women love to do, if there is the slightest possibility of precipitation from the sky, it is not rain, it is storm watch. <laughs> that's, that's true. That's Every newscast, if there's the slightest chance of rain in Southern California, we are on Stormwatch, Stormageddon. And they love to use their Doppler. I think one had a Doppler 5,000. So then CBS had to get the Doppler 7,000. And now ABC has the Doppler 10,000. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah that was I, like I, uh, snow, like the blizzards in Pennsylvania. Snowmageddon is what they would call it. Yeah, but you actually have legitimate weather in Pennsylvania. Well, true. In, in Southern California, people moan about the ch the chance of rain, and if it actually does rain, they complain incessantly. In about two years, when there's no more water left coming from the Colorado River, they're going to be pr they're going to be out doing Indian dances, praying for rain. Oh my gosh! You know, and then you have. I mean, I, I mean, I'm environmentally sensitive. But the environmentalists who killed the desalinization plant in Huntington Beach and are jumping up and down saying, yay, look, we, we won, we won. Well, that desal plant was going to process about 50 million gallons of water a day, which wow. is enough for one, maybe two beach cities per day. And... The reality is, Southern California, unless we get off our ass right now, I'm on my high horse, we are going to need not one desal plant. We're going to need about a dozen of them. Wow. Because the water is not an infinite resource. And if you think gasoline is bad now, wait until you're paying four times for the water that's coming out of your tap. Mm. Yeah, that's correct, right? crazy that is so, crazy. so we have actually we have 17 guests already or 17 listeners and i see some new people silverio steven reggie keisha ella tracy matt michelle oh michelle's listening that's good 
Georgia, no, it's Georgia Gary and the Fonkhauser, Mary Fonkhauser. The Fonkhauser. The Fonkhauser, all fraud line. <laughs> so, so today, yeah, we were going to flip the topic and go horror stories. I don't know. Did you, did you read that article in full? Because there's some bad stuff in there. I thought it was kind of, I liked it because it was different from, um, most of the, most of the conversations we have many, many times, let's not say most, but often our conversations come from the female perspective, I agree. Um, which is smart because most of our audience is female. But, you know, sometimes uh, the ladies That's... need to hear exactly how crazy they are. Because there well, are crazy women out there, too, you... just as there are crazy men. Yeah, you can go straight to the source. Uh, me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I had, I've had a few of those. But I, I think I'm fairly discerning over the years. And so haven't had too many of those. The one that... The one, I'm not going to say she was crazy, but the one that was interesting is one that I had one date with. I think I, I just said, hey, you know, just, just not feeling it and, you know, wish you luck. And then six months later, I get a text uh, says, you ghosted me. And it's yeah. like, mm, uh, no, actually, I didn't. <laughs> I think what it was is in her phone, she had two Eric's and oh, yeah. whatever Eric she was dating uh, ghosted her. And uh, this Eric did not. And so, <laughs> and so that's, I mean, that, that could be a whole other topic of conversation. And you know what? It's like there's, there's actually a number of, uh, there's actually a number of people that I know in like our little community who have done online dating. And so I think it might be interesting getting their perspectives just from, like what they're looking for, what they see as red flags, what they see as green flags. You're putting your dishes away. I am. I, I know. That was very good. You could tell. Of course I could. I was testing you. Oh, please. <laughs> what noise am I making today? Yes. I, I don't think anyone had putting the dishes away on the, uh, <laughs> on the wheel of what is Michelle doing the wheel of what is Michelle doing. So usually it's either she's making coffee or she's making tea. No, it's bedtime tea, she, never coffee at this hour. She's cooking, she's feeding Daisy, she's taking Daisy for a walk. <laughs> one of one of those many things. One of those many things. You know me, I have a very difficult time sitting still. Actually, you know what would be interesting is I have a friend, his name is Eric, and he is uh, he's a neuropsych. And I think it might be interesting getting his perspective on these. I mean, he's been a neuropsych for, I don't know, 30 years. Oh, so, like fun. Yeah. So that would be interesting. That would be interesting uh, to have a conversation with him. He's up in Salt Lake City, but I, I think it'd be pretty easy since they're a couple hours ahead. Um, I think it'd be pretty easy. Actually, I think one hour ahead getting him on the line and actually having a conversation with him, uh, you know, not about any specific patients that he has, but of course, just in generalization, you know, have people come to him with online dating issues? I'm sure they have. Yeah. You know, so. 
Why does this always happen to me? Why do I always pick? Why do I always? Well, I do like the show uh, Yellowstone. Yeah. And, and I just got into it last year. My mom and my niece were really into it. And so I had to go back and I had to rewatch, I think, season three or season four. I don't know. I can't remember what season we're on. And there's like, and there's one, there's a woman whose husband died and, and she goes, Cowboys and Dreamers. How come I always pick Cowboys and Dreamers? And, and I think, and I think that, I think that is something that a lot of us do is that we have a specific type and sometimes it's very challenging for us to choose that person who's outside of our norm. Yeah. And, and I think, I think sometimes, I think what online dating should do for you also is you have an opportunity to meet a lot of different people. And I yeah. think more than anything is what would happen if I went out on a date with someone who was outside of the normal person that I choose? I mean, granted, we have, you know, we check a number of boxes, so there is some commonality there, but right. that maybe choose a person who's a little outside what you normally date. And yeah. just as a social experiment, more than anything, just see how it goes. Yeah. Well, that's what the, um, that one book that we read in our dating group, I was called, I think it was called how to get a date worth keeping. And, mm. uh, that was one of the things that they talked about in that book. Like it's a numbers game when you're online dating. So keep your options open and, and don't shoot anything down unless you see like a major red flag. True. Go out with people that might not be your norm and just, Agreed. you know, you know, and I think, I think once we get to the age that we're at, you know, we're at both in our fifties, you know, most of the people are listening to us are in their forties, fifties and sixties. And we're getting to that age where children are kind of in the rearview mirror and hopefully the person that you're looking to date um, either the kids are in high school or they're grown up or they're, they're off on their own. Because I think, I think in our 50s, I think we have kind of an expectation that those, those days are kind of behind you. Yeah. You know, and which, which gives you the opportunity to have more free time. And, and if you have carved out a, a number of days and hours to maybe meet people, you hope that the person on the other end also has that. So if by chance they, they had kids late and they have, you know, kids in elementary school and, and their days and, and nights and weekends are taken up, taking care of their kids, that might still be a sticky issue. Yeah. And I mean, evaluate whether or not, how, how are you even going to get to know that person when right. they don't have any time that they can spend with you? Agreed. So, so we're going to talk about the sixth thing my therapist taught me about relationship. So why don't you turbo put away your dishes and put me on mute, and I'm going to go through the first one. All right, they're already down, and I'm filling up my water. Oh, my goodness. What about the protein bar? All right, goodbye. What about the pr protein bar? 
Okay, she went mute. Okay, so we're going to talk about the six things my therapist taught me about relationships. So you would probably wouldn't know by my shining personality, absolutely glowing cheekbones, and constant discussion of the men and women fawning at my feet to date me. But I unequivocally suck at relationships. This is the person writing the article for the everygirl.com website, and which is a website that we like to use. And the author's name is Beth Gillette. And so perhaps my temerity is the exact reason I have this issue. A month ago, I met someone, literally thought I met the one. I think we've all had that happen. And then he lied and said he was in the CIA and had to leave the state immediately. I then spiraled for quite a while. Though, through it all, I realized I had I finally had to do something about my issues finding, keeping, and nourishing the relationships in my life. And I'm not just talking about significant others. Friendships are the most important relationship, and I could use some work there too. I made a virtual therapy appointment a day later, attended a workshop or two, and reached into my notebooks from therapists past to help myself. Through it all, I learned that addressing relationships in therapy is a really easy way to burn through an hour of time, and I'm sharing the top relationship tips I've learned, and I'm implementing into both my life in dating and when I meet someone. Interesting. I think the part that she, she keyed on, too, was it's, I think your friendships with your core group is so important when you're in the phase of dating or you're in between dating, we all have those friends. It's like when they start dating someone, poof, they become Casper the ghost. You do not see them ever again. And the only time you'll get that text or that phone call is either they're in the midst of a breakup or they've already broken up. Or they're, significant other is away significant other is away for the weekend yeah and they got nothing else better to do agreed and i think but i think having time outside of a new relationship for your friends i think that is so very important to have agreed 100 percent. so are we hydrated protein bar i got a little rice cake action here I won't. I'll make sure I'm on uh, mute when I nibble. Anyway, I'll go with the first one. It's I think okay. I heard. I think I heard a crunch. <laughs> no, no crunch. I did have to turn my other fan on, though. Man, it's freaking hot here. Yeah, I got a fan on above me. <laughs> Woo! I got two. Anyway, yeah. I'm glad I'm not hot flashing anymore. Let me just say that. Well, that that would be almost a double hot flash. Oh, brutal! <laughs> All right, I'm living in a hot flash right now. continual it's okay to be upset when a relationship no matter how long ends i go through a constant cycle of being sad that someone ghosted me or someone i went on a few dates with decided to end it followed by judging myself for being sad about it and then my sadness turns to frustration and the next thing i know i'm just a big old mess my therapist gave me the go ahead to stop judging myself whether a relationship was one or 100 days It's upsetting to lose someone you pictured in your future in any capacity. 
allow yourself some time to be sad and it'll be eons easier to actually get over it versus bottling up. Yeah, 100% agree. Eric, where'd you go? I'm here. Um, <laughs> so, you know, nobody, nobody starts a relationship to end it. No, not Just at all. Nobody gets married to get divorced. But shit happens. You decide that it's not going to work. And, you know, as a kid, it's like, oh, my gosh, the world is going to crumble. Um, but reality, and this is something that um, one of my business coaching mindset coaches said to me, because I used to kind of feel a little bitter and pissed off about the fact that, you know, here I was at 53 and divorced and like, what the hell did I do? And then he said to me one time, he's like, you know, there's no reason to be bitter or angry about it. Like, what, what did you get out of the relationship? And basically said, like, your ex was your teacher. He taught you, you know, what you didn't want in a relationship and maybe what you think you need in a relationship. And I'm like, hmm, as soon as he spun it that way, I was like, that kind of makes sense. It so does. even when you're in a shitty situation, you're going to learn from it and take something from it. So I agree. same thing when you're in a relationship and, you know, you might you know, really care for that person and for whatever reason, it doesn't work out. Yeah, you're going to be sad, but life will go on. And you know, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm getting a pen out of my laptop bag. Oh, there you go. I told you the the mics are very sensitive. They are. Yeah. So anyway, always take the positive out of any situation and put a positive spin on it. And Agreed. Don't get I, upset about it. I, I but think, do I allow think, yourself to be sad. I agree with that. I think one of the things that a lot of people come into online dating. And you know, and you can always see the trepidation when they post like, "This is my first time on online dating," and like, "Like, be nice to me," you know. And but I think what online dating does more than anything is it provides an opportunity to meet a wide variety of people, and then you almost have to, if you've been married ten, twenty, or thirty years, you almost have to relearn what you're looking for or who you're looking God, for yeah. your your goals and your thoughts are way different when you're 40 and 50 than they are when you got married in your 20s right and if you got it, shit to work on work on it work on yourself before you try to bring another person into uh, a relationship of any kind i mean I agree. that's one thing you know you if you're not happy with who you are and you want to try to get somebody else to create your happiness for you, not going to happen. Yeah, not going to happen. I, I would say this more than anything is like, especially for the women, the, the landscape of online dating is a sea of available men. <laughs> And, but be very discerning about who you choose. 
don't stack your dates up like five, five at a time in one week. It, then it be, well, I know you did four in two days. And so, <laughs> <laughs> but you'll know, be very discerning, have a phone conversation with a person before you meet them for drinks or coffee. Dinner sometimes as a first date can be a long dinner. <laughs> it can be very long if the person that you talk to on the phone is not necessarily the person who shows up for dinner. Right. And so, and, and if, and if you're looking for something more long-term or lasting relationship, the second, the second the guys start dropping sexual innuendos and hints, listen to what they're saying, take the cue, swipe their ass left. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Because if they start dropping hints about this or like uh, one of the funniest ones I saw on a dating site some time ago was uh, a guy asked me for a shower pic. So she took a picture of her shower and sent it to him. I love it. <laughs> and he goes and she goes and she kind of you know played dumb and goes, well, I don't know exactly why he wanted a shower pic. So, oh, well, I obliged him, took a picture of my shower and sent it to him. She goes, he immediately, she goes, he immediately unmatched. <laughs> oh my God. But, yeah. you know, it's like if people start heading down that road and you're thinking more relationship oriented, don't, don't get to a point where he has to clonk you over the head with it. You know, much like your sister where, you know, they're on the date and, you know, and, and he's trying to look down, he's trying to look down her top literally by pulling it. Yeah. So yeah, it's the second someone crosses a line like that, you will immediately know their intentions. And so it's like, you know, don't, you know, these are not, these are not children that you're dating. These are, right. these are grown ass adults. One and so, yeah. And so take with it take their actions as more important than their words. Exactly. So as they do one thing, they will do all things. Much, much like your other saying. I agree. Yeah. Let's I'm going to do number two. All the right. end of a relationship is not a failure. It's easy to immediately ask, what did I do wrong when a relationship is over? You blame yourself likely for things big and small. I am a big black and white thinker. So when someone breaks up with me or ghosts me, I tend to immediately assume the worst and proceed as if I ruined everything. You either like me or you didn't. There's no in between. My therapist explained that relationships aren't so linear and that they're impossible to fail at because they're also impossible to win. Mm, I like that. You never feel like you're winning in your relationship because relationships often feel like a moving target. They're always working together and growing. Even 90-year-old couples say they're still learning about each other. Instead, she instructed me to remember that all relationships like people have positives and negatives. If it were all positives, we'd be pretty damn bored, right? By focusing on how my relationships are constantly ebbing and flowing between the positive and negative attributes, it's easier to recognize the very easy ways in which a relationship can just not be a fit for you and the other person. That's a term that I've used in the past that we're not a good fit. Yeah. You know, and, and I think 
when you come to that realization, um, saying it sooner rather than later is a good thing. Yep. Okay, so this is also a great tip to employ when in a relationship. If you find yourself feeling insecure about where you stand with your significant other, picking fights, we've all been there, or people-pleasing, take a step back to understand that a relationship isn't some perfect entity, nor is it a game you can win or lose. That might impact how you see the other person. There's a little in parent. If you find yourself... Uh, oh, that's just... What we just talked about. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it's true. I think, I think sometimes people have these old mindsets, and we're we're living in a we're living in a very different time and place in 2022, and and I think, like, I'll stick it out. You know, well, going on, go on a date is is not a good date, and it's like uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna gut it out. You know, and it's like, don't do that. No, right? <laughs> yeah, if you're not feeling, if you're not feeling connection, or they are literally waving a giant red flag in front of you, you know, take them at their word. Absolutely, <laughs> agreed. You well, know, that kind of reminds me of the the girl that um, you went out with a couple times, and. She was like, "What? Well, what? What didn't you like about me, or what was it that she said?" Oh, we only went out on a few dates, and she dropped the. Uh, I was going to go on a bike ride on Thursday. Yeah. It was my weekly ride, and she and she goes, "Oh, you're choosing a bike ride over me." Right. And even though I'd seen her, we'd already seen each other three times in the previous four days. Then on day five, she drops that on me. And since I do like to go on bike rides on the weekend, and a lot of times I'm gone for a better part of the day, I saw this as a massive red flag. Right. And then even though we'd only gone out on a few dates, after I said, you know, I called her up and said, hey, you know, I just don't think we're a good fit, you know, after she kind of dropped that bombshell on me because... She was being completely honest. Every time I would go on a bike ride, she would look at it as me choosing. You were choosing to exercise with your friends versus seeing me. And yes. so when after I broke up with her, I, I don't even know if you call it breaking up. We only went out on a couple dates. Right. It's so it, it's, you know, I just said, hey, we're not a good fit. But she called me and say, I need to know what I did wrong. Like, tell right. me my flaws. And I said to her, I go, I don't like being mean to people. And that's like, and I kind of chose not to answer her question. Right. And then she, and she was very insistent going, I need to know. I have to know what I did wrong. And, and honestly, she really didn't do anything, you know, remotely wrong. wrong. Right. It's just that whole guilt complex. Like every time you go on a bike ride, I'm going to guilt the crap out of you for going on a bike ride versus seeing me. And honestly, that is not going to be a good thing. Yep. Like if she had a bowling league 
with her girlfriends, the <laughs> last thing I'm going to do is say, well, hey, I want to go. And then she's like, well, it's just my girlfriends. Right. You know, it's girls night out. You know, we're going to drink beer and go bowling or do something like that. Right. And it's like the last thing I would do is try to impinge on that because right. it's not my place. Right. And she didn't see she didn't see the differentiation. And honestly, God, she was very recently divorced. And uh, so I don't know if she would necessarily seen a lot of people. Um, and so, but she definitely, when I said, Hey, we're not a good fit. She took it like really hard, even though we'd right. gone out on a couple dates and which was, mm -hmm. I think kind of bizarre. So, so very, her, her husband either beat her down and made her feel like it was all her or she just really had no um confidence in herself nope just she she was thinking it was all her yeah i mean i i remember she she had bought a peloton and she didn't buy the peloton because i cycled but she had she had bought it way before i was in the picture mm -hmm. and i said oh well, what's it like she goes i don't know i haven't set it up yet oh my <laughs> and i God. said oh like like oh well that's like i hope there's no clothes hanging on it you know, and she goes, oh, there might be some clothes hanging out right now. Oh, boy. And I, and I go, wow, that's an expensive paperweight. And so I, I remember one night I went over there, and she had kids that were in high school. Uh -huh. and, and I went in, and, and I set up her pedal. I set up her pedals. I set up the cleats on her shoes, you know, got her on the bike. I, I like, linked her, her Apple Watch to the, to, the, to the Peloton. I mean, I did all this stuff for her. And I think she was so unused to someone, I think she was so unused to someone like being that helpful and not expecting anything for it, uh, just just being nice, right. that when I kind of said, hey, I don't think we're a good fit, I think she was just like, oh my God, like, what did I do? Right? Yeah. And, you know, so and, and it wasn't anything she did, but it's like, I don't want to have to play that guilting game of choosing to stay in shape and do something that I love versus being guilted into, well, you know, you could have, you could have spent the Saturday with me instead of bike riding. Right. Agreed. Yeah. All right. Go, go ahead. Number three. Early sexual chemistry doesn't always mean they're the one. Finding someone who immediately understands you and gets every part of you is unfortunately a little difficult. So many of us turn to sexual chemistry at the beginning of a relationship to determine if that person is right for you. Sorry. Oh, whoever the, had Daisy at 35 minutes wins the prize. I know, right? If, <laughs> if the sex is great and we vibe with each other that way, I typically feel like it's a match. However, that's not always true. And of course, we can have good sex with people who aren't good for us. I never doubt that. But it's when you look past all the red flags and issues popping to the surface because the sexual chemistry is there when it becomes a problem. Through therapy and a few workshops, I've really honed in on how to make sex a positive part of a relationship versus a determinator of how likely I am to enjoy someone's company. It's still important for me to be with someone who has a similar sex drive to me and who meshes with me in that manner but I'm aware now that this can't be the only thing keeping me with someone. 
If every other flag is glaring in the brightest red you've ever seen, that isn't an that likely isn't a relationship you want to pursue. I agree with that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. Um, I think it's that it's that old school mentality of sex is love. Yep. And sometimes uh, when you get to a certain age, or well, at least women get to a certain age, they get a little friskier and. And hopefully, men are able to keep up. <laughs> yeah, or, you know, when you're young, um, you are um, very emotionally involved due to sex. Then Agreed. That can really kind of mess with your psyche a little bit in regards to, oh, yeah, this is the one, when reality is probably not. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think... Taking it, it's like it's funny because uh, one of the one of the websites that I like a lot, OkCupid, actually has this question on it, and it's always interesting to see how people answer it. And they'll say, after how many dates? After how many dates? And they they give you like, you know, one to three, three to five, or seven plus. Do you expect to have sex with the person you're seeing? And I'm all, it's always kind of curious when someone, when most people, I would say, answer three to five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most people answer three to five dates. You know, and and I think when we're younger, I think that that number would probably be, be more seven plus. <laughs> you know, and so, I don't know. It's like to each his own, you know, but I think getting sexually involved before you're kind of emotionally tied in at least a little bit can can kind of mess things up for you yep for sure and i i still have the uh good old catholic values (laughs) you mean catholic guilt oh yeah (laughs) yeah yeah i never heard it i never heard it called father I've never heard it called Catholic values. I've heard of Catholic guilt. Yeah, um, I grew I grew up with the same. Catholic value system, I should yeah. say. Yes. So anyway, yeah. all right. Read the so, next one. Number four, going back to your ex, <laughs> is out of comfort. Not because the sex is so good. Boy, oh boy, oh. that's no good. We make excuses over and over again about why we choose to hook up with our ex again or see them after a breakup. New things and people are uncomfortable, so we choose partners who remind us of past relationship and old wounds, even from childhood. This isn't weird, and it doesn't make you screwed up. It's human nature to be attracted to the things that we're already familiar with. Well, it's also too, you're kinda, you kinda know what you're getting. Right. The number one thing I've learned in this is to be conscious of it and recognize it to help me choose people in the future who don't mirror those qualities. I don't want to date someone who gaslights me, so I'm going to look for a partner who validates what I have to say. I didn't enjoy it when my previous partner couldn't take my sense of humor, so my next relationship will be fun and lighthearted because I recognize that I missed that element before. It is a hard process to think through, especially if you're looking back on an abusive relationship, but thinking of a future with someone better is exciting and hopeful. I agree with that. Yeah. 
And it's like, I don't even think you have to be in an abusive relationship. I think backtracking to an ex is just... There's a uh, reason why they're an ex. <laughs> there's a reason why they're an ex. You know, thankfully for you, yours is 3,000 miles away. <laughs> Trust me, there would be zero, zero possibility. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I think people sometimes when they think about abusive relationships... I think people always kind of gravitate to, like, physically abusive. But uh, I think emotionally abusive relationships are more damaging. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know? In a sense. Being, being with someone who kind of tears you down yeah. piece by piece, bit by bit, you know, literally, literally bloodletting you one drop at a time, those are the worst. Yeah. You know? And I've been very thankful to not have been in very many of those kinds of relationships. Yeah. And because my tendency, uh, my ex and I have a great relationship. You know, uh, we just can't ever be together again. That's just the way it is. Right. But, but um, you know, I've had other relationships that, you know, they went, you know, six, seven months. And then I kind of had to, like, take that step back. You know, I think they talked about that earlier take the step back, reevaluate and kind of see, look at the relationship, not as yourself inside of it, but look from it from the outside and kind of make those decisions if whether you want to continue and move forward or you're pulling the, you're pulling the ripcord. Yeah, for sure. You know, and, and the reality is sometimes when you take that step back and you look at it with a different set of eyes, you realize, wow, okay, I'm headed down this road again. Uh-huh. So, and and I think I think sometimes, and I and I said this to people. I think I've even said it on the podcast before. I think some online dating relationships have a timeline. Sometimes they kind of they kind of go the way they go, and and maybe after four or six months, that's it. That's yeah. You know, because after a certain period of time, it's like, what are you guys going to do? Are you guys thinking about moving in together? Are you thinking about getting married, getting engaged? You know, and and I know there's some people who've been married a couple of times that say, oh, hell no, I'm not getting married ever again. So, and and so you kind of have to think of it in, those, in that perspective. It's like, are we at a place to where we're going to move forward together? And when you're in your 40s and 50s, it's like that—that's the long-term commitment. Hopefully, you never know. There's you never that, know. There's that thing called living apart together. Living apart together. Well, this is true. George Costanza's parents—you know—they had to have the separate beds. Yeah. Because you know Estelle had the Jimmy legs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, I'm moving on next. Next. It's human nature to feel loneliness and to want a partner. Listen, I don't need a partner in my life to feel good. I don't need someone to take me to dinner or tell me about their day or watch a new show with me. But when I let myself feel it, I know it's something I yearn for. But I judge myself for that and worry that it seems desperate and dependent to feel lonely sometimes and to wish I had a partner. Which is often a feeling I have at the end of a relationship, too. These patterns of thought my therapist described are rooted in limiting beliefs that wanting a partner makes me weak, 
and that want gets confused with need. She explained that feeling lonely and wishing you had a significant other is something every single person feels. It's an innately human feeling to want to feel loved and express love to others. Understanding this has given me lots of tools for acceptance. Accepting that I am human and desire to be loved and love and that I enjoy the various perks and activities that go along with being in a relationship. True. Very true. Yeah, I think I think sometimes when you're when you're in the online dating process and and it's kind of strange, you know, I've been I was doing it 5 years and sometimes you would take these breaks and then you would come back 6 months later or a year later and you would see the same people over and over again. You would see the same people. And, and it was like, have they just been in that perennial state of just online dating, online dating? I think when you're in the process, depending on what app you choose, whether it's Match or Zeusk or OkCupid or Hinge, Hinge is the one your brother used, um, or... You know, even even Tinder. It's like you hear about people who meet on Tinder. I think it's important when you're in that process at some point, maybe you're not meeting the right people to like shut everything down and take a break. Yeah. And just kind of have that either be with yourself or be with your friends and just, you know, allow yourself to just be by yourself, be with your friends, not think about online dating, not thinking about the swiping right, swiping left. I think that's important to have those breaks. Yeah, agree. Which is why I encourage any new listeners, if you're going to do online dating, buy the premium service one month at a time. Don't do the package. Don't do the annual subscription like Michelle. Because <laughs> sometimes when you're if you if you go hard into it and you go into it full force for a month, after a month you're ready for a break. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. You're ready for a break. And and you know, you always hear the terms at least from my female friends, I hear the terms God there's so many flaky people in online dating. And the reality is, it doesn't require anything other than a, a credit card and 20 or 30 bucks to have an online dating profile. Yeah. You know, and on some of these websites, they're free. Crazy. You know, and so, like, like OkCupid allows you to swipe and match with people and message them for free. You know, and if you want to see the, if you want to see behind the scenes of all the people who have swiped right on you, you then you have to bump up to the premium service. It costs you like I think it's twenty, I think it's twenty or thirty bucks for a month, and then then you can see all the people who liked you. Yeah. You know, and then that's where I had the the woman who lived in the the mountains in Montana who wanted me to fly to Montana and, and see her crazy i don't think i would have come back <laughs> <laughs> i don't think i would have made it back i think she i think she'd be wearing me as like a a, a coat at this point 
That's funny, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, no sad. good. Number six, go ahead. All right. Be vulnerable with a partner, but take your time. Just because you open up to someone right away or they do the same for you doesn't mean the relationship is set on the right course. Opening up takes time. While there are whirlwind, fast romances that bond quickly and stay together forever, if you notice that you're a fast mover in relationships, it might be a good idea to, to try a slow burn every now and then. A relationship that takes its time might be just what you need to build trust and companionship with someone if you're used to moving quickly to get all the good parts as soon as possible. Instead, make all the monotonous parts on of first dates and awkward hugs and witty texting banter something you enjoy rather than something you dread. Contrarily, open, opening up to someone isn't weak. Vulnerability is a strength. And a strong relationship requires it. So don't think that because you hold, you told your significant other about a childhood trauma or that you're feeling insecure about something that they're going to end the relationship because they're seeing the real you. Being open, being able to open up to each other every now and then should be something that bonds you and makes you grow, both as a couple and as people. And if they do break up with you over something like that, well, it doesn't really seem like a loss. I agree with that. So I think I think being open and kind of laying all your emotional cards on the table, I think that needs to take its time. Mm -hmm. And every once in a while, I mean, I don't know if I don't think you've encountered this, but I've encountered where I've gone on first dates and they're kind of like, tell me everything. Yeah. You know, and it's kind of like, you need me to tell you everything within an hour? Like, that's not going to be possible. Uh-huh. And, and I think sometimes people have this, this strange thing where they, they want to know about your past relationship, your marriage, why did you get divorced? And, and I always just kind of say, that's a long story. And yeah. that's not a first... And the last thing I want to do is on the first date, be talking about my ex for an hour. Absolutely. Yeah. I want to know more about you. What do you like to do? Like, what do your normal weekends look like? Uh, what was the last trip you went on? Mm -hmm. You know, what, you know, and, and maybe not even, maybe not even uh, a trip, but, you know, what was the last place outside of Southern California? That's where we live. That... It's just that you're now excited about going back to, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's one of the reasons like why I love that Malibu ride. Yeah. I think that that finish that last 10 miles where you're riding on the coast and the sun is setting, it is just spectacular. Yeah, I agree. You know, and it's just, it's just one of those, it's just one of those rides where those last 10 miles i'm always the last one finishing because i stop and take a lot of pictures yeah you know and and i've had some amazing photos from those last 10 miles of that ride and and i think when we do it next month i think we're gonna we're just gonna do the up to ohio and back mm -hmm. so we don't have to so we don't have to care about the weather as much yeah out in you know, out in Santa Paula, you know, in Camarillo where it can get really hot, 
you know, the up and back is, is perfectly sufficient. Yeah. And we get that nice tailwind along Winemi Road, and, you get, and the tailwind kind of hits you on Highway 1 when we're going back to, to Leo Carrillo. So, I don't know. Tangent. 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 <laughs> Tangent. Well, one of, one of the other topics that I sent you was one that uh, the other the other one, which which was more, which is more in your wheelhouse, and that's kind of why I chose it is uh, updating your wellness routine for the fall. So that was the other topic that I had yeah, for today. I. Um... How is how is your how is your business going? I actually just signed two clients today for ninety days of coaching. Um, nice. And you know now is is a great time to kind of reassess where you are with your health, and it does seem to be a very seasonal thing. Um, Agreed. So, like between now and the holidays is a great time to. Try I think to most. I think most people. I think right now is a perfect time because everyone's kind of coming back from their summer vacations and and doing stuff like that, and as opposed to waiting for January first to roll around, and then everyone's everyone's trying to jump on the the bandwagon to go back to the gym or get a trainer. And, and are you, how is your menopause mastery fat loss and fit tips? It is going, it's going quite well. I think Um, I got it right that time. I think (laughs) I always have to look. Um, yeah, I mean, it's great. Every Tuesday night I do training. Um, and then I usually have my group client call. Um, which has been working out really well because a lot of times people have the same question that needs to be answered or they might have different questions that the other person hasn't thought about. So I'm really liking the group call format. Nice. Um, they still all have their individual goals, but like last night's call was about how to, how to go about, um, figuring out how to hit your macros. Yeah, that's um, something that I, I still need to learn how to do. Yeah, so. it's it's uh, it's challenging, very challenging at first. And I mean, I loved my coach, but I never got the. This is kind of how you do it. It was just like, okay, well, here's your numbers, hit them. So what Michelle's uh, talking about, she has a Facebook group, and I will put the link at the bottom of this podcast. This podcast goes out to all the major providers, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, uh, Audible, et cetera, et cetera. At the bottom, I'll put a link to her menopause group. Women only, women only. <laughs> yes, although I, I did, I do work with men. Um, I just, not, just not within that group. Just not within that group, no. Correct. So, but you'll, you'll see her name listed. And so if you are a man and you're interested in maybe, uh, upgrading your fitness program, or if you live in Southern California, 
you know, feel free to message Michelle and maybe she can get you on the right track. I think what would be the number, I'm not top three, but what would be the top two questions you get from someone who comes to you who's looking to kind of get back on track fitness wise? You know, because you have people that are trying, you know, the miracle, the miracle cleanses, the miracle diets, they've, they tried keto, you know, they've done all these different things. You know, what is the one thing that you do or, or the question you get, say the top two questions uh, when you have a new client? Well, I would say, um, actually, I, I would say they've never um, done macros before for the most part. They've done every other diet and they think that they've got to cut out all these calories and they have to exercise like a full hours at a time, days, days of the week. And <laughs> you really don't have to. Um, it's all about finding balance between the different macronutrients, especially at this age. Um, you know, we definitely need more protein. Actually, everybody does. Men need it too. Um, because yes, you, you we peak at the age of 30. Now, I have a question. So I've been adding, a, I've been losing weight a little bit uh, here and there. Uh, actually, a little bit more. I've been adding walking back to my regimen again. But yep. I've, been, I've been adding more protein. Um, but most of what I'm doing is... I'm do, even though I'm doing protein drinks, is it preferred that I get my protein through natural sources like maybe baked chicken or do are protein drinks suitable? Protein drinks are suitable, especially when you're trying to achieve um, an un, unnaturally or I shouldn't say unnaturally, but a, a very different amount than what you're currently used to. Right. Um, protein just makes you really, really full. It does. Um, and you and know, I, if you're only eating like 60 grams of protein, it's really dumb to try to double that. You know what I mean? You I agree. Smart about one, one of the things that I do is I, I buy a protein drink that's actually low in sugar because it doesn't take. I, I'm pre-diabetic, and so it doesn't take much. For me to tip that balance to the other side, mm-hmm. and yeah. you know, and so I've done a I've done a really good job of, of cutting sodas out, which is a huge thing. Drinking yeah. more water, drinking more mineral water, um, but it's like I I have to be very cognizant of the sugar. You know, the other the other night you offered me a, a bite of your cake, and I said because it was your birthday, and I said nah, I got to watch my sugar. Yeah, and I notice it on rides, um, especially after if I da- like down a Mexican Coke or something, I'll get that spike, but then I get that I I get that massive dip too. Mm. Yeah, and, and so it, I I'm my biggest my biggest turtle is keeping my blood sugar kind of stable throughout a ride. Mm-hmm. So I met a gentleman on uh, OCW Metric. Um, who is type one diabetes, but he was not diagnosed until he was in his late twenties. Wow. And, um, 
he actually wears a monitor. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if he wears it all the time, but he wears it when he rides, and it gives him an indication if his um, if his blood pressure or not his blood sugar um, could possibly be in a compromised state. Right. So, um, yeah, when I when I was diagnosed pre-diabetic, my blood sugar. Could I go to the doctor every year and get my blood work done? Uh-huh. It had been slowly creeping up. You know, I was finally now over a hundred, and wow. the doctor the doctor basically said, "Well, you know, you got a choice. You can either do something about this now, or you know, you're going to be on insulin." Right. And the, the bad thing about insulin is once you go on it, it is hard coming off of it. Yeah. And so I said, give me 90 days. I'm going to clean up my diet. I'm going to lose some weight. And he kind of, you know, did the eye roll. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, buddy. And so I went from a blood sugar of 110 to 89. Oh, wow. In 90 days. And I'd lost 20 pounds. And he, and he just kind of looked at me. He goes, how did you do it? And I go, I literally went home that night and I went through my cupboards and I went through my fridge and anything that had a lot of sugar in it, I threw it in the trash. Yeah. And because I was a sugar fiend, I mean, it wasn't stevia in my coffee. It was two or three tablespoons of sugar, uh-huh. you know, and it, and I was, I was just a sugar fiend. Yeah. And, and then I have a family history. I know we're off topic, people. I know I have a family history of diabetes, so I'm kind of like, I don't need to be poking the bear at this point. Yeah. You know, it's like I already have this family history of diabetes. I don't need to be, you know, encouraging diabetes into my life. Yep. So. Exactly. Yep, and protein will actually help you with that. And- and just trying to get most of your carbohydrates from fruits and vegetables. Yeah, so. I'm 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 do, I'm doing better with that. I'm doing lots of salads. That's good. Yeah, That's good. And, I'm, and I'm and I'm not pouring tons of salad dressing over it. I'm I'm doing a little bit of dipping. A little, little bit dip, of dipping. A little, little dip. Little dip. <laughs> All right. Well, listen. I gotta sign off because I gotta go. Speaking of protein, I've gotta get to the grocery store because I am dangerously low. And she's going to be off in five seconds. So goodbye, Michelle. All right. See you later. Ta-ta. Bye. So Michelle is gone, and we already miss her. So she's off shopping for her and Daisy, and Daisy is her dog. And if anyone else would like to maybe come on the podcast and talk about online dating, if not, we can call it an evening. And we want to thank everyone here in the Wisdom community. You guys have been fantastic. I went back and looked. We've been doing this since, I think, November. Is it November? I think. So, or actually, no, I think it was early in the year. February, we started with Wisdom. And this is now our 32nd podcast. And once again, we distribute this out to all the different podcast outlets. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher. Amazon Music, Audible, and many, many more. And if you look for us there under the What He Said, She Said podcast with Eric and Michelle, you will see all the links. We'll link out the article 
that we talked about today, the six things my therapist taught me about relationships. And that is on the website, theeverygirl.com, which we like a lot. And we'll also put the show links for, or pardon me, the group links for Michelle's group on Facebook, which is the Menopause Mastery Fat Loss and Fit Tips for Women Only. And then you'll also see her, uh, you'll also see her name, Michelle Mainville, or Mainville. I always get that wrong. And you can message her directly if you're thinking about doing a fitness program that she can be of assistance to, uh, whether that is remote or live. She is in Southern California. And I wish everyone a wonderful evening. And the heat wave will be stopping here in Southern California in just a couple of days. And we are thankful. Hi, my name is Michelle. I'm a certified personal trainer and wellness coach. I've been in the fitness industry for 28 years and began combining my R3 method with personal training in 2020. I believe through making changes in your lifestyle, you can thrive versus just survive during peri and postmenopause. Until perimenopause, I was able to control my weight through exercise and eating healthy food. During this time, I had many life stressors that were affecting my emotional and physical self. Several months after my 52nd birthday, I hired my own accountability and nutrition coach as I had felt fluffy and stuck with a middle-aged belly and just downright exhausted. I didn't know how to move forward and felt like I needed someone to guide me and hold me accountable. I was ready for change at any cost. What ensued was a mind-body transformation, 18 months of an adventure and education in what my body needed as a menopausal female, focusing on all areas of health, a long, hard look at my nutritional needs, the way I was working out, my sleep, my activity level, my water intake, and learning how to manage stress. The result, 29 pounds lost and 13% body fat gone, restored energy and sleep, stronger workouts, and a passion to help other women do the same. If you are like me, don't hesitate to reach out. You can find me on Instagram at Coach Michelle with one L, M Fitness, or go to my website at www.mfitnessforlife.com.